thinking while we were singing that song about uh, actually several different things come to my mind, but one in particular, a situation years ago. And, uh, you know, I've, I've known a lot of people that would uh, and have said, you know, whatever God wants me to do, I'm willing to go wherever, you know, wherever the Lord leads me, I'm willing to go. And, and they were willing to do that, but they were not willing to stay now, you think about that a little while. You know, the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, but so are his stops also. And uh, so there's just so many times, you know, people and like we had one family join years ago and, and they're all standing there at the front. I'll never forget the picture. And uh, uh, fortunately, just here recently, I was able to make contact with one of the girls, the oldest girl in that family and she is an author now and writing books and uh, and her her husband is a pastor up in Kansas and so uh, anyway I, I, I was, uh, was thinking about that when they joined they just come out of a bad situation and I announced to the congregation they had joined by a letter and uh, I'll never forget him making the statement yeah and we will leave as soon as there's trouble and I thought, man, you might as well pack your bags and leave, you know. Uh, but, you know, when people have been hurt and they've come out of a difficult situation, you kind of feel that way, you know. I I don't want to get into that again. So they'd been through that, and I, I kind of understand. But uh, wherever he leads, I'll go means that if he wants you to stay, you better stay and ride out the storm. Well, Proverbs chapter 26, we're... Now to verse number 22, no, verse 17 tonight. We've actually got two sections left, uh, the way I've divided up the chapter anyway. Uh, verse 17 through verse number 22 uh, speaks about the sin of strife. Beginning in verse 23 through the remainder of the chapter, he speaks about the harm of hypocrisy. And uh, there again tonight, I'm sort of in a quandary. I don't want to uh, bite off more than I can chew. I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, put all of the emphasis on the front end of the message and then just hurry through the other. Uh, so we'll just kind of see how it goes, whether we try to finish the chapter or stop at verse 22. But for the time being, let's focus on on these what, five verses? The sin of strife. And the first thing we learn about it, verse 17, is that it is forbidden. Notice, says, He that passeth by and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him, is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. Now, boy, it doesn't take a Rhodes Scholar to figure that one out, does it? I mean, that is just clears the nose on your face. Uh, but, but clearly, the Bible over and over forbids strife. Let me, let me share with you just a few verses, a couple, uh, from the Apostle Paul. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 24 says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. You know... Whenever I started preaching, uh, the measure, uh, the measure of a preacher, uh, a lot of it had to do with his enthusiasm. I don't care if the content was super duper great, 
you know, if he didn't snort and buck and spit and sputter and, you know, if he wasn't excited about it, you know, why it wasn't emotional, why it just wasn't preaching. Uh, like one old preacher friend of mine said, you know, when you're really preaching, you'll be walking on three inches of the of your pant leggings because you're going to, you're going in your tie, going to yank your tie off and you know stuff like that and uh, but but I think the the maybe the main interest of people like that was and I think some used the term the rugged fundamentalists we we were fundamental independent Baptists and man I mean you know you're fighting against sin and we ought to we ought to condemn sin and. Uh, and we ought to cry aloud and spare not, as Isaiah says. That's what we ought to do. So I'm all for that. But a lot of times, it took me a few years to learn that, that what we do is that we create strife uh, in the church. And notice what he says here. He's talking about the man of God, the servant of the Lord, must not strive in other words, don't go out here looking for a fight. Don't go out here trying to stir up trouble, but be gentle unto all men. I'll never forget the day that it really hit me. I know I'd read it before, but it really hit me what Paul said in Ephesians where he said, speaking the truth in love. I'd been speaking the truth, I believe, ever since I started preaching, but I hadn't really been speaking the truth in love. I had more of a take-it-or-leave-it attitude, you know. If you don't like it, there's the door, you know. I, I got along fine before you got here. I'll get along fine after you're gone. And, you know, just not much love in, in an attitude like that. Uh, but we're to speak the truth in love and, and, and notice and be gentle unto all men apt to teach and patient. And so we have this command that we are not to do those things that are going to create strife. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean that we are to ignore sin in order to, you know, don't rock the boat. You know, don't get on any controversial issue or anything like that. We're commanded to preach the Word of God as it is the people as they are. You know, that's our obligation. Sometimes people are going to get upset, but it's not because of our attitude, our bad attitude or something like that, you see. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, and I think this really gets down to what the root of the problem is a lot of times, let nothing. So we're not just talking about preaching now. We're talking about everything we do. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Wow, those are powerful words that we are to esteem. That means to value. We are to value others more than we value ourselves. And let's face it, that's, that's not a common practice. That's not what most people do. And if we'll be honest about it, a lot of times that's not what we do. We esteem ourselves above others. We, you know, we're looking out for number one instead of the, instead of the needs of others. And so he says, in lowliness of mind. And this is this, this humble attitude that enables us to stifle strife. But notice here, the most, one of the most common ways that we, gender strife is whenever we meddle in things that 
that are not our business. We meddle in the affairs of others. He that passeth by, notice, and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him. You know, you know there, there's, there's a time to stand shoulder to shoulder with a friend and uh, join in the fight with them. Now, there's a time for that. By the way, not everything is your business. Not everything is my business. Not everything's my fight, you see. And whenever, whenever we get involved in that, something bad's going to happen. Uh, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever had a nosy neighbor? Wow. Yeah, talk about, oh, I, I see you all got in at 1035 last night, huh? Where, where, where'd you go? Did you all have a good time? Wow, I mean, I've had some like that. I'm talking about the kind that we call them peeking out the windows at us and stuff. I, a nosy neighbor, about the only thing worse than a nosy neighbor is being a nosy neighbor. Wow, we, we need to be careful uh, about that. We, you know, we have a hard enough time taking care of our own problems without sticking our nose in somebody else's business, you know. It's not our job to monitor others or to manage others. And, and so many times we want to do that. And you, I'm certain that you probably know somebody, somebody you care about. They probably care about you. But they just have that bad habit of trying to interject their thoughts in every conversation, trying to give their opinion even whenever it's not asked for, and they they. You know, they seemingly just got to do it. Well, it's a bad thing to do. Notice, and you meddle with strife that doesn't belong to you. It's like taking a dog by the ears. Now, you know, whenever if you, uh, for for example, you're training a bird dog or something, uh, you, you might get by with yanking a dog's ear or something, but the dog's ears are very sensitive. But whenever that dog is fighting, he's engaged in other business or whatever it is, and you grab him by the ears, the chances are really good that you're going to end up getting bit. And uh, whenever you meddle in other people's business, there's a good chance you're going to end up getting hurt. So it's better to avoid that, and that'll take care of a lot of strife. So strife is forbidden. Not only is strife forbidden, but it's foolish. Notice here in verse 17, the last part of it where he says, like one taketh a dog by the ears. I mean, that that defies common sense, right? So when you're involved in a squabble or you see people involved in a squabble, don't get involved. They, they, they tell me that uh, with the cops, uh, we've got any of our cops here tonight, the domestic squabbles, the domestic disputes, are the most dangerous calls they go on. You know why? Because they get there, and whenever you get there, I, I saw one the other day, this Cops Live show, Cops PD, uh, what? Live PD. Live PD. And, uh, and so this, this female cop, she goes on a call. There's a de- domestic dispute. This, the woman called, this guy was beating her up or something. She gets there. This guy meets her at the gate and uh, says, I hope you've got a warrant. And she says, I don't need a warrant. He said, come in here, you do. This little gal was about 5'5", five, five, uh, and uh, he's 6'1 or 6'2". 
And I'm telling you, she hit him in the chest like this, knocked him flat, jumped on him, told him down. And the next thing you know, here comes the wife out of the house. Don't hurt him. Don't. And she jumped on the woman's cop's back. And so now she's fighting both of them. And, and she has them both on the ground fighting before backup finally gets there. But, but a, a lot of times the, the, the cops will end up getting hurt in some way, all because they're involved in a domestic dispute and, uh, and they turn on them. I've seen that happen in churches. You get involved in something, and before you know it, you thought you were assisting. You were trying to give advice. You were trying to encourage someone. And so you make some statement. I'll just throw something out there like, well, you know, sometimes it's better for you to just stay away from certain people because, you know, they're... They're not doing the right, right things. And then they get the feeling you're attacking their friend who they're mad at at the time. And so now all of a sudden you're in a squabble with them and, and it causes a lot of problems. In 1894, I read an interesting story about a game between the Baltimore Orioles and the Boston Red Sox. And in this game, John McGraw of the Orioles got in a fight with the third baseman of the Red Sox. And so, I mean, you know, what, what, way back when, even whenever I was a kid, brawls in baseball, that was just kind of a part of it. You expected it every now and then. And they got in this big fight. Well, naturally, after a while, uh, all, both teams joined in the brawl. So you've got both teams out there on the field fighting. And the next thing you know, the fans in the stands they're going at it. And the next thing you know, some, some nutcase sets fire to the stands. Burns the stadium down, by the way. But it didn't just burn the stadium down. It also destroyed 100 and, 107 other buildings in Boston. All because of a squabble out there. You know, if all of the other guys had stayed in the dugout and said, just let them have at it. I, you know, I think about that fight a few years ago with uh, uh, what, what's his face that rushed the mound on Nolan Ryan and the old man taught the kid a lesson out there. And, and I thought to myself, I wish everybody just stayed away and just let him work that kid over for a while and, and he'd learn his lesson, you see. But it's just human nature that we're going to rush to the rescue whenever we see somebody that we care about, uh, you know, involved in a squabble. And let, and let me tell you right now, I've seen more than one church destroyed nearly overnight by strife. I'm talking about churches that you thought it had it all together, churches that had been there for years and years, had a wonderful heritage, and God was blessing mightily. And I'm telling you, within a week or two, that church was split and down to nothing. And the next thing you know, it was closed, disbanded. The members all went out and joined different churches. And I'm telling you, it can happen in any church if we don't stifle strife. And that's why it is so very important that we realize how foolish it is because it's so very harmful. Well, verse 18 and verse 19, 
we see that strife is something that is fearful. It says, as a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death, so is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, Am not I in sport? And a madman can do a lot of harm. And, you know, the point is that it doesn't matter, you know, how sorry he is later on or, or what explanation he gives because the damage has already been done. You can't unring a bell and you can't go back and undo something that has happened. It's too late then. And um, whenever we deceive others, and, and that's what he's talking about, we deceive them, we can't undo the damage by saying, well, I was just joking or teasing. And that's what's indicated where he says down there, am not I in sport? He, he's saying, he's lying, but he's saying, hey, I, I, did, I didn't mean that. You know, I, I, was, I was just joking or I was just teasing. And over the years, I've known several different people that made it a habit to say what they wanted to say, make the point they wanted to drive home, and then as soon as they saw that you were upset about it, they'd say, oh, come on, I was just teasing with you. No, they wasn't. They meant exactly what they said. They wanted to get their point home, and now they're trying to clear themselves by lying, uh, by saying, well, I was just joking. They shouldn't be so thin-skinned, you know. They, uh, you know, like like it's not my fault. Well, you know, we need to be more considerate than that. We we need to think about how our words are going to be perceived. I love what Spurgeon said so many years ago. He said uh, he had a preacher school there, and he told those young preachers. He said, you know, it's not enough to speak so clearly as to be understood you have to speak so clearly so as to not be misunderstood that's some of the best advice uh, that i've ever read speak so clearly as to not be misunderstood and and whenever we're talking to others whether you know it doesn't have to be in the middle of a big fight or argument or something like that but just whenever we're conversing with them uh, we, we need to stop and consider uh, how our words are going to be perceived by them. Because there's a lot of times, you know, we, we, we might mean well. And, and we, what we say might, you know, it, it might be in order. But we need to stop and think, how are they going to take that? And believe me, I cannot tell you how many times people have been hurt. You have no idea right now how many people have been in the last six months on the verge of leaving this church. I'm telling you, you don't have any idea, and I'm not going to tell you, and I'm not trying to scare you, but I want to drive this point home. All because somebody did not consider how the other person was going to feel about the things that they said. Folks, that, that's lunacy. I mean, that, why would we do something like that? We need to think before we speak. And, and because a lot of times people are, you know, whatever it is that they're going through, uh, 
And it might be that they're a little thin-skinned, but so what? We still need to be considerate of them rather than just like a bull in a china shop and and just bowling over people with brash statements and what have you or insulting statements. Uh, it's horrible. It's fearful. And boy, we ought to make sure that we're not a guilty party in this. Now, verse 20, 21, 22 we're just going to put these three together because they all pertain to this thought, and that is that strife is fueled by words. Verse 20, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tail bear, the strife ceaseth. Now let me just go ahead and read the others and make the connection. As coals are to burning uh, coals and and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. I, I, this is a reminder as to the destructive force of strife. It's resulted in everything from domestic disputes to road rage to world wars. It's a serious matter, and the sooner we settle strife, the better off that we are. Whenever, and I'm sure every one of you, if if suddenly there was a fire and it was threatening your house, you would take whatever measures you could to make sure it didn't burn your house down. And whenever I was a boy there in the Ozarks, um, everybody burned their trash. Everybody had a burn barrel. Uh, you know, and every once in a while, you know, for the cans and stuff like that, uh, you'd pay a trash man to come out and load all of that off, but everything else, if it burned, we burned it. Well, every every year, naturally, about this uh, time of the year, whenever it's hot and dry, and uh, well, there wasn't no irrigation systems back then, and uh, I mean, everything was just brown. The grass was dead and, and you could figure on it every year somewhere in the neighborhood there would be a spark that would ignite a fire and if you didn't stop it, it burned the house down. And more than one time, I as a, as a kid, along with all of the other neighbors, because when it happened, everybody rallied, you know, to the cause. And the only way we could fight it was get a bucket of water and a tow sack. And... Uh, dip that tow sack down in that bucket of water and get out there and try to beat that fire out before it got to the house. And uh, thank God our house never burnt down, but it would have had it not been for us making that effort. My point is that, that it takes effort on our part to stifle strife. Uh, why would we do nothing? You know, why, why would we sit back and just say, you know, well, I, I've always liked to watch things burn. This is going to be neat, you know. I, I saw it come across old Brother Jones's yard down there, and there it goes over across Mr. Smith's yard and, and uh, head right for the house. No, you wouldn't do that. You'd get out there and do something about it. Well, notice here that the fuel for the fire, he tells us, is what? Words. What the wood is to the fire, words are to strife. And where there is no fuel, what? The fire goes out. In other words, if we just quit bickering about it, if we quit arguing about it, if we watch what we say and don't provoke others to wrath, uh, 
you know, things will take care of itself. But boy, when we just get out there just arguing and what have you after a while, and you've heard me say so many times, even a Christian a lot of times will act out of character. Right. Look, any of us can be provoked to the point that we do something we regret later, something that is wrong, and and probably every man here, if somebody come up and slapped your wife or spit in her face or something, before you even thought about it, you'd probably punch his lights out. I mean, you, you, look, you would go into an attack. And, and, but we always have to consider what the repercussions are going to be, the consequences of our actions. And so when it comes to this matter of strife, we need to extinguish the gossip by not adding the fuel to the fire. You know, sometimes, you know, somebody, there'll be a couple of parties going through a, a, some strife, and we'll, you know, they'll come to us maybe for advice and talk to us if, because we're their friend. You know, they want to get our, our input. And, um, you know, we will say something, and, we, you know, maybe we're thinking that we're, that we're trying to be helpful. At least that's the impression that we want to give. And before you know it, all it does is to make the fire bigger because, believe it or not, your dear friend that you were trying to encourage will turn around to the one they're having the argument with and say, well, I'll tell you what, I know I'm right because so-and-so told me. Oh, now you've got so-and-so on your side, and so all you've done is enlarge the fire. It's a whole lot better to stay out of it, you know, say, look, I don't have any dog in this fight. I know I hate it that you two are at at odds with each other. I hope you can settle it in a Christian way, but I just want to stay out of it. Uh, That's a whole lot better than adding to it. Uh, M.R. DeHaan, of course, M.R. DeHaan is the guy who started our daily bread and been such a blessing. I think I have some old copies back 50 years ago, but M.R. DeHaan II is a skilled writer, and I ran across the statement that he made in regards to this verse, and I want to take time to read it and uh, probably close. Listen to what he says about this verse that we just read, these three verses. This refers to extinguishing something much more devastating than the combustion of physical elements. It is the fire of an irresponsible tongue and the resentment and pain that burn in the hearts of those who have been seared by its heat. What deep and lasting wounds the tongue can inflict on others. Families and friendships have been disrupted and individuals hurt for life because of the effects of backbiting and slander. How necessary it is for God's people to eliminate from their conversation, all thoughtless words. This would prevent many of the fires that ruin relationships by yielding our tongue to the Lord Jesus, who alone can control it. We can put out the harmful fires of slander and gossip. I could, if I'd taken 10 hours, I couldn't have said said it any better than that i mean that is just hitting the nail on the head and and getting right down to the bare bones of what we need to be thinking about as we leave here today 
and, and, and watch for those irresponsible comments where we don't consider how it's going to be perceived by somebody else, but that we take into consideration how it's going to affect them. And boy, we can save ourselves a lot of heartache if we do that. Uh, if I if I had time, and I don't think I need to because you're familiar with those verses in James where he talks about the fire, you, the fire of the tongue, you know, it's a little member, but what a great fire it kindleth, and it's like the poison of an asp and so forth. And, uh, and basically, he's letting us know, he says, who, who can control it? Well, let me tell you right now, the only way, and Dehan commented on that, the only way any of us can maintain control over our speech is for us to be yielded to the control of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Only the Lord can control our tongue. Because, look, and, 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 and we need to keep in mind that whenever, whenever, our, whenever our tongue is out of control, it is announcing to other people that we are not under the control of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 you know, that that's a horrible impression to make on other people, isn't it? So I, I just, I hope and I pray. You don't know how much I hope and I pray that God will protect this church uh, from strife. Because, like I said, it can happen to a church nearly overnight. And the damage can be beyond anything you can imagine. And God forbid that it ever happened here. But it can, and we've got to keep that in mind and ask the Lord to help us control our speech. Well, Lord willing, next week we're going to talk about the harm of hypocrisy, the harm of hypocrisy. And no doubt you've heard somebody say, well, I, 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 I used to go to church, but I don't go to church anymore, just too many hypocrites in the church. Well, you know, they got a good point. That's no excuse, by the way. But it is a real, genuine problem, the hypocrisy in our lives, and we don't want to be guilty of that. All right? Anybody have-